this is really something that absolutely has been in my heart for a year or two of the importance of the Word of God. And this is just going to be the tip of the iceberg, and because there's no way to get it all out um, in this session. But the importance of the Word and in the time we're living in, how much we need God's Word. And I'm finding myself reading the Word like I never did before. And it's like you don't want to stop. And it's just amazing because before you could, you know, you know different verses in the Bible. And we've all grown up and been somewhat trained that way. But, you know, how many of us just read it, you know, like a story or really... um, maybe get more meaning of what Jesus really wanted to say in certain things, especially in the New Testament. And um, there's such a power and authority of the word that I've always believed uh, from going to school of ministry at Ramah, and that I was really big on that, and I really got it when we went there, that the word is medicine. And I was healed of certain things, and it just opened up. A whole new world to me to uh, know God that way and that he was really my father and so I really believe and know it because it has worked for me and his word is true but in the times we're living in we need to learn how to use the word because if we don't learn how to use the word which is the sword of the spirit and we've learned Many times, Pastor John has taught about the armor of God. And we really need to find out how to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word, because the Word defeats the devil. The Word defeats the devil. And uh, faith overcomes the world. And um, the Holy Spirit overcomes our flesh. But the Word overcomes and will defeat the devil. That's why it's a two-edged sword. It's sharp. And uh, when we can speak that or take our authority, then things happen in the spirit realm. Um, And you know, (laughs) we are living in perilous times of darkness and destruction almost everywhere. You know, if you're out during the day, You can't escape it. It's everywhere. Everywhere you go, you see, oh, wow, you know, this isn't God. This isn't God's world that we would like to have going on right now. And I just think that he's given us this tool, and we've got to learn to use it. Because in John 14 and 15, abiding in the vine that we have to abide, and we have to learn, and it's a process, and it is not easy. And because so many distractions, because everything is going on around us, whirling, tornado-like, hurricane-like, sometimes your thoughts, the distraction, the worries, the cares of this life, everything. And just to get to that quiet place is really something you have to work at. At least for me it has been, 
because he told me that at the beginning of the summer, even more, uh, just to trust in him, Proverbs 3, 5, and not lean to my own understanding, which I've always done a lot. I have a very active mind, and um, but I knew I had to start trusting him because he was trying to tell me something that I was going to need to trust him about. And um, so just learning to set aside a time, but it's almost a mental attitude of focus where you try to think that this is really more important than all the other things. Because if you don't have this, you're not going to have victory and successful living because you won't really be hearing, you know, from the Lord. And because he's a still small voice in the Holy Spirit, as we've been hearing too, it's a still small voice. And he's a gentleman. He doesn't speak loud. He doesn't override you. He's a gentleman. And so we have to make up our minds and a thing of our will. Do we really want to know him? Do we really want to find out more about God, more about maybe the purpose for our life? Because most of us probably haven't gotten there yet. And we may be still going, going, going and doing things, but you may, you know, we may not have reached our destiny or really realized our purpose yet of just how God sees you especially just who you are, that he could use you to smile at someone, to, you know, offer a ride, take some food to, send a card to, little things. You know, you just, you can think of things, but, you know, it's so much more fulfilling and great when you want to serve him. And say, well, Lord, today, what's on your heart? And is there something I'm supposed to do that I'm not thinking, you know, or is there something, you know, you want me to do? And it's just that little sensitivity of keeping our heart sensitive, guarding our heart, keeping all the distractions out, and really looking to him and his word. And... um the uh, and part of what he he wants this is so broad. It was hard for me to really. I, I think it's kind of um, not all making complete sense. But I'll just do what I think he told me to do. So um, we're gonna read some in the Bible, and because of the word, I like my Bible. <laughs> I'm really in love with it more than ever. I like it. And I know that's kind of old-fashioned, but I like it. And um, if you can go to John 6 in the New Testament, the last book. And these are some stories that we've all heard, but he said there's something something I never saw. And he said, yeah, okay, this is good. So I'm just going to read. This is a little 
a little bit. We're not used to doing this so much, but I'm just going to read. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that there was a great multitude coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. But Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. That's a lot of people. Jesus therefore took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Now gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. When therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is of a truth the prophet who is to come into the world. Um, He fed uh, the 5,000. And if you can imagine or just picture, you know, All of those people, when you see some of these crusades, that could be easily a lot more than 5,000 people. Um, But when they saw the miracles, they believed he was a prophet. And some of these things happened that he did, and they kept following him, especially his disciples, and it would draw a lot of people. Uh, Then we know, I'm not going to read it because this is so familiar, of Jesus walking on the water. And when um, he walked on the water and they got in the boat, they started to cross the sea and it was already very dark and had not yet, Jesus hadn't appeared or he hadn't come to them yet. So they were really beginning to be afraid. And... um, So uh, finally, Jesus did appear in the storm and said, It is I, be not afraid. And then they were receiving him into the boat, and then the boat was at the land to which they were going. And there came other boats, and when the multitude therefore saw that Jesus was not there, they themselves got into the small boats and came. And they were seeking Jesus. They were trying to find out where he'd gone. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
You seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. And so they said, therefore, to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. They said, therefore, to him, well, what then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, therefore, to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, he shall not hunger. And he who believes in me, he shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he's given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him, he may have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up in the last day. So he was telling them that he's the bread and that they needed to believe in him and not just what he could do. He's asking them to believe in him because he did come down from heaven. The Father sent him, approved him in him, put his seal on him. And then he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. And truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life because I am the bread of life. I'm the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. And... So that, uh, in the words of Jesus, he's telling them about eternal life and that he's the bread of life. 
And we've heard a lot about communion. Pastor has taught us very well and proficiently about the meaning of communion and discerning the body of Christ. And hopefully it's helping us because it took me a while to really be able to discern the body of Christ or maybe see how he looks at all of us as his body and that we could live in a fashion to discern the body or know him in that way. So we'll want to treat the body and be in the body and do what he wants us to do. So the words of, that he was saying also is that unless he draws them, no one can come to them, to him. And it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. But the words I speak to you, they are spirit and life. That's why he can say that. Because it's like the word, it's alive. And there were times when I could read the word and not get that much. But it's amazing how there's life that comes to you through the word, just as if he were speaking it, that you can get a meaning or a heartfelt knowing of what he's talking about or what he's saying to you, and that it can penetrate your spirit. And because we're a spirit just like him, and because he lives in us, we can discern. The world can't. That's why you can't talk to them about the things of God, because they, they won't understand. There's just no way. They don't have the spirit yet. So you have to talk to them that way. Um, and I think that um, pastor's been talking a lot about the spirit. Now we're, a, we're a spirit, we live in a body, we have a soul. And I don't know if, who was here, but if you remember Marilyn Neubauer, that made it very uh, understandable to me when you see the physical presence of three people and one's the house uh, where the body lives and one has the soul and one's the spirit man from God. So that if we can just think about who we are, who he's made us to be, and believe it, that if he did all that, and he died for us, and he wanted to heal us, he wants us to have peace, he gave us peace, joy, love, everything in our spirit, and we're trying to find out how to get it. And it suddenly dawned on me, wait a minute, if peace is in there, why am I working my mind so much trying to get this to line up and get peace? Somehow I realize it's not that it doesn't have to be quite that hard. <laughs> and of course we have an enemy who wants us to not know the truth and wants to uh, make it so that we really don't know who we are or that what we can do or what we have. His job is to keep us pushed down so we don't think we're anyone 
or have any confidence to say anything to anyone, or just to be timid and dealing with all the things in the world, all the distractions, and all the problems, all the cares, all of our family things. Um, it's endless. It's so endless. But it's so amazing how to find the peace that's spending time with him. But it's work. And you have to decide it's worth it. So, of course, it is worth it. But, you know, uh, you just have to keep working at it. But I guess this summer, I knew I had to be even more quiet and stay at a peaceful place so I could be in the right place for my husband and to do what we had to do and go through all that. So that was a little bit of a forceful push, and I really needed that. And because I kept trying to do it, but I wasn't always getting there. And... Um, but the amazing thing is, excuse me, it's so amazing that um, that really, when you look at life and you decide what's really important. It just seems like we're really living in the best time. I know it's the worst, and I never felt that way. But now I'm starting to see, really, we are living for such a time as this. Because he would not leave us here. We're his children, and he loves us. And he's going to take care of us. He's going to get us out of here. But we really have to learn to trust him and believe that he's real. And that's something that we're privileged to be his children and, and to be able to come to church, to be able to worship, to be able to be in his presence and praise him and sing and rejoice. And it is an awesome privilege when you realize that so many places it's really difficult and they can't even do any of that freely without fear of their lives or uh, the persecution that's going on. And, um, but it's so worth it. And I just feel like God really needs us now because if he's going to survive in the world and have anything to say or any voice or any position to deal uh, with anything, that means we've got to care enough to want to be his friend, just as we were singing tonight, to help him. He really does need us. And I think four years ago, um, I did a message to the women, and it was very much prophesying. And... I couldn't believe it when I listened to it today. It was like, oh, my, that was four years ago. Oh, I was saying things that I could say right now. And I'm saying, oh, Lord, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I really felt sort of ashamed. And then I realized we really are like, well, he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. 
And he created us, but we're sheep. And so sheep are really dumb. And that's why the, the 23rd Psalm is about our shepherd. And if you read the book, I forget who wrote it, but Philip Kelleher? Yeah, wrote the book about the 23rd Psalm. And all about being a shepherd. And you realize, oh my, it takes us so long to get stuff sometimes. You just, you know, it's amazing that he would even put up with us. When I wake up some days, I think, wow, God, thank you. You woke me up. (laughs) There was a song about that somebody used to sing a few years ago. Because we can just live and have all these choices, really, in a way. And then, I it's just amazing. Very amazing that he could put up with all of us. And um, so I think it's time for us to grow up and take our place And I have to say, because I'm getting older, and I've heard some ministers say it, and and it really witnessed in my spirit, I don't don't want to not do something if he has something that he wants me to do, and then he needs me. I really don't want to get to heaven. I'm just being very real. I don't want to get to heaven and then find out, oh, my. So I just feel an urgency And something propelling me in a sense of urgency that I want to make a difference. I want to find out what he wants me to do. I want to listen to him. And it's so worth it because there's no way to explain the fulfillment. It's like heaven on earth because you can walk around and almost be in a bubble sometimes. And you feel like, you know, you're really in the secret place. And um, I think we ought to practice that somehow of just being still in the morning or whenever it is. And how many times do you really look inside of yourself and that you're not looking out, trying to figure out this or that, go here, go there. But how many times would... Are you really quiet enough to really get in touch with who you are inside, the inner core of you where he lives? And one-third of us is the Holy Spirit. And um, so he's living in us. He's given us all this. And we could... um, We just need to, I guess, somewhere in the word it says, be sober and alert. And prayer, prayer is so important. I don't know where this is going. This is not on my notes. But um, prayer is so important. I started really getting serious about prayer probably when Pastor John became the senior pastor. Because I thought, oh, he's, he's going to need me to pray. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> no, I better pray for his. 
be a helpmate and pray. Um, and and just <laughs> to keep myself in the right place and everything. And so that started that journey. But every year it's like increasing like you need to pray more. <laughs> like, uh, you know, there's a lot of scriptures about praying. And especially in the time we're living in. Because prayer is doing a work so he can do something. And I want you to know he answers your prayers because he really does hear you. And we don't think he's there. We don't think he's hearing us. But he does. And some of the things that we prayed for for a long time, he's faithful. I started a prayer journal and just started making prayer requests because he said, what is it, Matthew 7, 11, 11 uh, asked me, and he talks about his son, would I give him a rock or a snake if he came to me and asked me for something? Well, if it's your children, you wouldn't do that. You love your children. That's so dear to your heart. You would want to do everything you could to help them. Well, he's a better father than we could ever be. So just think, he's living to make intercession for us. So we're seated at the right hand of God. And that means he's living for us down here so we can know him. So we, he could have fellowship with us. Because that's the greatest thing. He's not so concerned about the works you do. He just wants to know his children and be known by them. So they care about who he is, what he thinks, what matters to him. It's like the Holy Spirit has feelings too. But sometimes we don't um, think about that. But... (laughs) He's, a, he's the third person of the Trinity. And I know in some churches, they, they are letting go of that and, and some things in the word. So, you know, you don't move those ancient boundaries. It says in the word. So I can't believe that that's getting the fullness of God and that he would want us to stay and air and go away from that. But um, so, and the Holy Spirit is the workhorse. If you read in the Amplified all that he is for us, it's astounding. I just think about that sometimes and think, wow, this is, you know, great. He's our helper. He's our standby. He's our counselor if we need to know something. He wants to help us. Um, he's our advocate. He's interceding for us. He's um, uh, comforter. Did I miss something? Helper? Teacher. Aha. Uh-huh. So we ought to be able to learn if he's the teacher. He wants to tell us. He wants to show us. He wants to instruct us. So that's why we really need the word. Because you can't really know him 
in the times we're living in and think you're without the word, the word and the spirit have to agree. So if we don't have the word, because I didn't value it as much like it's a commandment. I mean, that we need to read the word because it tells you how to live. And it keeps us at a level where we wouldn't be normally. And I think when Marilyn Neubauer was here, she said something about it's uh, the devil seeks who he may devour. But if we keep full of the word and we're, you know, working at all this and keep it going and we're filled up, then the enemy, there's no place he can get at us. You know, it's so important. And so I really heeded that. She said it last year, too. And I said, oh, yeah, you can't get away from the word. And so tempting, even when you're praying, you know, not to get in the word, but you have to read the word or it gets very unbalanced. And the word is our instruction book for Christian living. And sorry, but that's. It is, and we have to stay in the Word and get it however you can, listening to tapes, reading the Word. Um, Well, but you have, you know, it's reading the Word um, so that there is a story Hmm. This is hard, too, but it's true. Creflo Dollar, a couple weeks ago, uh, said this in his morning show, and we were listening to it. And he said, you know, when it was 9-11 in New York City, there were three ways people reacted and found themselves in situations at that time of all that disaster. One group of people heard his voice speaking to them, and they listened, and then they did what he said to do. So in a sense, they obeyed, they listened, they were sensitive so they could hear it, they obeyed, they didn't get into that, they didn't go to work, they didn't do whatever. The next group, they heard him speaking to them about that situation, but they did, they decided to do what they thought they should do or what they would usually do, so they just sort of overrode it and were in that situation. And then the third group, he said, they couldn't even perceive or hear. And... (laughs) I thought that was pretty dramatic to show us why we, you know, how dramatic it is for results that we need to be in tune and building up our spirit man with the word and listening for the Holy Spirit and be sensitive uh, to what he might have us to do so that there might be times when there are needs that he needs to tell us to do. 
or to take care of, or why don't you call this person? Why don't you write a note to that person of encouragement? Because that could be just the day. They're at their last ounce of strength holding on and thinking, if something doesn't happen, I don't know what I'm going to do. For example, one day when I went to the Y, uh, there's a person at the desk who's there frequently, and she said something about, I prayed that you would come today so that I could talk to you. And I was like, oh, blown away. And that she was having a physical challenge. And, and she, you know, goes to church, she's Christian, but she was having a physical challenge. And so I just talked to her a while, and then I prayed for her. And I realized, wow, <laughs> that I could be in the right time at the right place. Wow, that's amazing. It really is. It happened the other day in the store, and I was thinking, I was taking too long in the store, and I better hurry up. And then I saw a friend from the past that I hadn't seen for a while, probably a couple of years, maybe a couple of years. And, um, and so we started talking. Well, we just kept talking and talking and talking. And she, um, she's a Christian. And when we, we see each other at the gym or somewhere, we used to talk, pray for each other's family, and we went way back. And so it was very interesting to catch up on all the things that had happened in the interim to both of us. But it was just so amazing. And then I realized I talked to her for a reason. Because when I went away, she, I didn't remember or I, I didn't know, but she had muscular dystrophy. And she was just feeling so bad because she said, oh, my husband's so understanding, but some days I don't feel like doing anything. And she's really a beautiful person. She was a teacher, and she just she's a beautiful person. And somehow her medicine did not come through, and she couldn't get her medicine for muscular dystrophy. And I felt so bad for her. And she's and so she's trying to rationalize it. Well, you know, I'll be okay. You know, I just don't feel good, and I'm waiting for it to come. I've done everything I can think of to call this person, that person, check with them why it hasn't come, and all this, and it hadn't come. And so um, that just wouldn't leave me. And I kept thinking, I probably should pray about that. And so... Then today, I realized, oh, I know it was not an accident that I saw her. Plus, it really made me feel good because it was somebody to, you know, we were able to fellowship and talk, and it was a real uh, nice time. But um, then I realized, well, I'm going to pray for that situation. And so I did. And it's the time we were talking, she said, well, I'm going to pray about that for me, too. And she's like that. She would do that all the time, and it was so sweet. And, um, but you never know. And the point is, sorry, back to the point. I was trying to think, oh, I am taking so long in the store. I got to hurry up. I think I had to get home for a reason at a certain time. And here I am doing all this and talking to her, 
And then I said, well, I know that was you, Lord, so I guess it was okay that I didn't get there. And, and then I'm thinking, but if I wouldn't have done a few things where I even stopped myself and said, okay, now <laughs> let's get going and just calm down and just start on your path and leave. And uh, so if I wouldn't have taken that minute of just standing in the aisle and looking at a magazine or something funny, and uh, then I realized, even if I wouldn't have done that, I never would have seen her. And it was just so funny how God can orchestrate things that we can't imagine. It's really neat. And um, so that was another lesson. So it's amazing how you can learn. And my grandchildren, they were so cute. They said things this summer when we would get together and I thought, out of the mouth of babes, I just, I stood there. I mean, I was like, you've got to be kidding. They were telling me things that I couldn't believe, how, you know, that they knew. And as it turns out, everything they had said, I started to do and think about. And it, it was really right on. And it blessed me. And one of them said, well, I've learned to trust and believe God that maybe everything doesn't turn out right all of a sudden, but God knows what you need, so it'll all work out. <laughs> and then the other one said, oh, I've learned now to not do my schedule of thinking, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and instead I'll, I'll just... Um, not really have a big plan, and then I'll just kind of see what I need to do, or if, you know, I need to do something else. I said, oh, wow, that's really wisdom <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. So <laughs> Pastor John and I were saying, yeah, that's a good idea, because you've got to be open to have interruptions, because they happen. You, you've got to be open. You know, because that's usually when these things would happen. And that's what happened to Jesus, you know, when he was ministering. He had a lot of interruptions. It said he had to go to a quiet place and pray and get away from the multitudes because, but I'm sure in his ministry, things were coming up all the time that he had to do. And, and wow, that's, that's something... So if you, if you can just think about finding a quiet place where you can be still and start thinking about God and asking him to just be still and just be with him or to see what happens, that, that would be great to look inside and not be so outward-focused all the time. Because hmm. then we can get the job done, <laughs> and we can be God's friend <laughs> and help him. And that way we're more fulfilled. And he needs us. He needs us, and we need one another. So thank you for your attention. And thank you so much.
Don't, don't go down yet. Um, men think in straight lines. <laughs> Women just think. So I'm trying to bring something down out of all this, which was wonderful. And um, because what I kept hearing is this, and I know because I know of what we've been through. If you've been around long enough, you know we need to spend time in the Word. We know we need to do that. But what we don't realize is there's a spiritual battle going on to keep you from doing that. If there's a spiritual battle going on to keep you from doing that, that means the devil knows how critical it is for you to spend time in the Word. Jesus, the Son of God, with all He knew, as spiritual as He was, when He was in a spiritual battle, how did He handle it? It is written. Jesus, everything He did was based on the Word. He said, I only came to fulfill what the Word said to do. In, in uh, Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, the, the, he comes to steal the word so that it either doesn't get sown in your heart or what gets sown in your heart doesn't get much root, or if it gets much root, he'll sow the cares of this life in there. If we know that's what he's after, we've got to be determined to do what it takes. And the, the battle is this. Well, there's so many things more important. They may be important, but are they vital? Because this word is eternal. Jesus said it is spirit and it is life. And you have no idea. I've learned more and more that as I sit down in the morning, when I first get up and I open my Bible, Holy Spirit, you lead me into what you know I need today. And you show me what you know I need today because you know ahead of time what's going to come up and what I need sown into my heart. And don't just do it then. Think about it during the day. Because the key to success is in Joshua 1.8. The word shall not depart from my mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Day and night. Day and night. When you're riding in the car, when you're going to bed at night, when you wake up in the middle of the night, instead of thinking about the Red Sox or the Patriots or, you know, grocery list, spend your, even in your mind while you're driving the word of God. Because what you'll take is a scripture... And then just keep going over that. One of the things I've learned, I used to have a whole bunch of scriptures on a subject. And, and, but to take one scripture and go over that and over that and over that and over, because you're sowing it down into your heart. Some of you have been here for years. You know so, as much scripture as we do up here. But it's what gets down in here that makes the difference. And the enemy's going to try to keep you so busy that you can't, you think you can't do it. It's just we don't realize how critical it is until you're going through a crisis. You go through a crisis, you know you need it. But we need it all the time, even before we get into a crisis. Amen? Amen. Good job.